deserve the glory and the honor. So we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. So we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. For you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. For you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. opportunity to be in your house, to feel after your holy presence. Thank you, kind and loving God. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We bless your name. Thank you, dear God. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. If you have a Bible this morning, I'm turning to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. good to be here with you. And, uh, we want to take a good look at the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 4, and let's look at verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, you may be seated. I'd like to try to minister a little bit on whose end is the beginning, whose end is the beginning. The Bible teaches us in the Word of God that there is going to be uh, an end of all things. That time is upon us, and but getting really down to the final last little bit. I'm sure you remember in Matthew 25 when Jesus taught regarding the five foolish and the five wise and how that the, uh, the foolish were guilty of procrastination or of putting off. They kept putting it off. Going to get to it, but they never did get to it. They, they put it off until it got put off. And they didn't, they, they said they were going to get to it, but they finally put it off so long that it wasn't within reach anymore. It wasn't available anymore. The time had come and the time had gone. 
And so the scripture, of course, teaches that there was a cry that came at midnight. And behold, the bridegroom, Jesus, he cometh, he's coming. And so it was upon the church. And for the church, then that means the first resurrection, commonly referred to by people as the rapture, though it is not a Bible word, but it, it is a word synonymous with uh, the first resurrection. We, If we're teaching and learning about the first resurrection, and Scripture said, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, then we realize uh, if we're going to substitute a synonymous term and say the rapture or the catching up to the Lord, the gathering together unto the Lord, once again, these are Bible terms, and they are uh, correct and accurate. So I, I don't have too much of a problem with the word rapture. I just I do like to use it just like the Bible says so. And blessed holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection because upon him the second death hath no power and that's a wonderful promise that uh, if we could get to this thing to the end to where it's going to be right in our lives then we're going to have a our end is going to be the beginning because John lifted up his eyes John the revelator and he said a new heaven and a new earth that's what he saw coming down from God Almighty now, you want to realize that uh, you have an opportunity here. We all have an opportunity here. God has made a way for all of us. Uh, when Adam and Eve did it wrong, or Eve and Adam did it wrong in the garden, and they made their mistake, uh, they were put out of the garden, and an angel was set there uh, with a flaming sword, and they were their access to the tree of life was, was bared or barred. They couldn't, they couldn't go there. Uh, but... You know, God, in, in that judgment that fell at that moment, he gave a promise. And uh, he promised that there was uh, something down the road that would take place, that he would make provision, all right, and that it was going to absolutely crush Satan. And in so doing, it would uh, bruise the heel of the man, Christ Jesus, meaning the cross, the crucifixion that would take place. But... That bruising was for us, the book teaches, and for all of us that we could have an opportunity because he made that opportunity. In the face of judgment, in the face of it being done wrong, the Lord was saying, this isn't the end of the matter. Uh, I'm going to hold something out for you if you will take advantage of it. And in the ensuing centuries that went by, even millenniums, uh, then the time, the Bible said, when the fullness of time was come, then the Spirit sent forth the flesh, made of a woman. That means he spoke the word over Mary, and Mary, that was, which was conceived in her, was of his Holy Spirit. And then when Mary brought forth that babe, he, they were afore instructed by the angel of the Lord, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so this babe began to grow and come through being a teenager, come unto young adulthood, and then came the time for his showing unto the people known as Israel. And when he was shown, he began, of course, the first miracle that took place uh, publicly was that at the wedding feast, and how that Mary, uh, a type of the church, looked at him and said, these people have a need. And he simply said, what have I to do with thee? And it was 
seemingly some type of a little bit of a put-off, but Mary was not shaken in faith uh, by anything. That's what your Bible is showing you. Isn't that wonderful that when we get tested that we show an unshakable faith, that we're not going to uh, allow anything to uh, keep us from getting from God what we can have if we will show faith and belief in Him. And so Mary just turned to the disciples and said to them, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. In other words, he's going to take care of it. This is going to happen. doesn't look so good right now, but he's going to take care of it. And so, of course, he did. And, of course, the people came around to exclaim the, those that were over the wedding feast, and they said, you have saved the best for last. And uh, usually people put the best out front, but, he's, but she's, she was, uh, the individual spoke up, uh, the person over the wedding feast, and said, you have saved the best for the last. I want you to know that we do not have to be afraid of the end of things. We do not, even though the clouds are going to get dark, even though the Antichrist will be here and that he will show himself to be God and call himself God, and he will bring about a great deception, even to the point that the Bible talked about this hour of temptation, this time of temptation that will try all the earth. And yet the church, the church is going to stand apart. Uh, the church is not this, this building, this, that's the church house, but the church is people, people who come out of darkness into marvelous light. That's what the Lord wants you to do. He wants you to get, get to the place to where you say, I'm, I'm done with darkness, I'm done with, with things that are not correct and not right and not approved of God. I'm, I'm done with false doctrine and false teaching. I'm, I, I'm going to see what's in the book here. And, and God's going to give me the light. He's going to do that. He has a plan. He has a system. He's opened it up here and made a way. When Jesus, that flesh, died on the cross, the veil of the temple was cut in half. And in so doing, it meant that the mercy of God and all the things that appertain to this salvation of God were out and available to everybody. That we now, through that crucifixion, that we would have access to the things of salvation that it was made away for each and every one of us he did when he died on the cross. He did that, the Bible said, because he so loved the world that he made this possible, that if you would start to believe that, as the Scripture has said, that you would not perish, but that you would have everlasting life. There is a, a good end to things, and, I, and the end of the thing can be your beginning, your real beginning, because life here is short. The Scripture certainly teaches that. Even if you get to live to a ripe old age, even if you, by reason of strength, get beyond 80 years and live somewhere between 80 to 100, shall we call it, and, and by reason of strength that happens, but still it is very short in comparison to eternity. Eternity is without end, world without end. And John said, listen, you can get your eyes on this life. He said, but I saw this world passing away. Some people want to tell you that the earth abideth forever. Well, you better know about what earth you're talking about because there's a new earth coming, a new heaven and a new earth. The Bible said, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And if you can begin to prepare so that things end up right for you. How did it say in uh, Peter again? He said, receiving the end of your faith that you're believing God and you don't want to uh, bail out here. You want to get in this race. 
and you get in this race, your first beginning is that you start repenting of your sins. And you tell the Lord you're sorry for all the mess and all the dirt and everything else. And you tell him you're sorry for that. And then the Bible teaches that you are then to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. It will be for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Everything you've ever done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong, or acted wrong will absolutely be forgiven and sent apart as the, as the east is from the west. It will be remembered no more. These are great promises. The Bible teaches that God is ready to pardon He's not standing back or standing afar off uh, in, in some kind of reluctance here. He wants you to come to Him, and He wants you to repent. His Spirit is drawing you to these things, and He wants you to be baptized in His name. His name is Jesus Christ. That's the name that is above every name. He holds all the titles, but you can get to looking at the titles and miss the name. You better get the name. The name is Jesus Christ. The blood is in the name. You need that blood to wash away your sins. And as you get baptized in Jesus' name, the water does not turn red. It's the faith in the name of the one you are baptized in. That name is Jesus Christ. Faith in that name is what brings the blood washing away your sins, giving you a full and complete pardon. Isn't that wonderful? He's ready to pardon. How about you? One man said uh, about being baptized, he pointed out, he said, See, he said, here is water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? And the preacher said, Well, if you're believing, then we're going to do it. And so, obviously, he that believeth, the Scripture said, and is baptized shall be saved. So this man was saying, I'm believing, so it was time to be baptized. Some people will tell you baptism is not necessary. Then they're saying, they're making up their own Scripture, and they're, say, they're contradicting what Jesus said. They're doing just what the devil did. Didn't the devil put that three-letter word not in there? Thou shalt surely not die in the day that you partake of the fruit of this tree. Also, uh, 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 shall we say, forsaking the commandment of the Lord, disobeying the commandment of the Lord. But the devil was trying to convince that it's all right if you do it. It's okay. And so he said, hath God uh, said that thou shalt surely not die. He slipped that three-letter word right in there and changed everything. Well, that's what he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, Jesus said. But the world and its religion tells you he that believeth and is not baptized shall be saved. Isn't that a sad thing? Just doing just exactly what the devil did. You don't want to rip a page out of the devil's book and apply that to your life. You don't want to say the things that he says. You don't want to do the things he does. You don't want to go the places that he goes or wants you to go. You want to get free of that. You want to come out of darkness. And whom the Son of Man has made free, they're free indeed. Let his Spirit work in your life. The beginning of this beautiful salvation in your life is going to be for you to believe what he's telling you, and he's telling you to repent. He said, except you repent, you shall perish. But he made this love available so that you would not perish but have everlasting life. So you better believe when the Spirit made available the flesh known as the Son on the cross so that you could believe in what has taken place. You want to believe on his death? Then you repent of your sins. You want to believe on his burial? Then we'll baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ because when we're baptized, we are buried with Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. amen. All right. And then you come up out of the waters of baptism 
and that's when you're born again of water. And then the heavens will be opened over your life. What a beautiful example we have of that for Jesus Christ in the days of his flesh was an example to us and to everybody. And the Bible teaches that he came to John the baptizer who was baptizing people in the river. And when Jesus came to him, he, uh, John resisted and John said, I, I would rather you baptize me than me baptize you. But Jesus made it clear. He said, you must tolerate what I'm saying. You must obey what I'm saying because I've got to be an example of righteousness to everyone. I can't tell them to be baptized and then I don't do it. So Jesus stepped right in the water and he was baptized, fully immersed. And coming up out of the waters, the Bible said the heavens were opened and the Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. That was a sign to John the baptizer that this truly is the Messiah. This Jesus is the Christ. You're on track. You're in the Spirit. You're doing it right. And it's good that you have baptized him. And when the Spirit descended, a voice was heard, This is my beloved Son, in reference to the flesh, in whom I am well pleased. So... You want to, might want to look at that a little closer. He said, in whom I am. Because in him, the Bible said, dwell the fullness of the very God bodily. Okay? Then God is a spirit. And the spirit chose to show himself in the flesh. The invisible chose to show himself visibly. He wrapped himself in flesh and allowed that flesh to go through the land and heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the leprous and all the other wonderful things that he did. And then the time came when he said, I'll be taken by wicked hands and minds, and I will be crucified. I will. They will beat the socks off of me, and they're going to crucify me, but that's okay, because the Scriptures will be fulfilled, and I will then arise again from the dead. I have power to lay my life down, and I have power to raise it up again. And so Jesus the Christ did. He rose again on the third day. And in so doing then, he showed himself alive with many infallible proofs and continually appearing to them and showing them and helping them to have good, solid faith. No matter what happens, no matter what's taking place, no matter what it looks like. You never read in the Bible about those two that were on the road? And on the road, their communications were sad. They were there down in the mouth. They, their lower lip looked like a vacuum cleaner. It was so low on the ground. And they were going along there, sad talk, sad communications, very pessimistic, very upset. And Jesus appeared to them. And in so doing, they were so clouded by their misery. They had their mind on the wrong thing, and they were looking down. And they were so sad and depressed that they didn't even recognize him coming in the midst of them. And he began to question them. And as they begin to talk, they said, you must be a stranger. You don't know what's going on around here. But Jesus has been crucified. And when they got to where they were going, he allowed them to really see who he was and feel who he was. They said, our hearts did not our hearts burn within us when we talked with him. Oh, man, that was Jesus, and we weren't paying attention. How many times have other things occupied your mind and your thoughts and your life to that you are not recognizing that he's right there. He's right in your midst. He wants to help you. He wants to work a miracle in your life. He wants to get your head up and where you can see things rightly for what they really are. He wants you to come out of darkness into his marvelous light. He wants to make you a king and a priest. He wants to make you a part of a holy nation and a royal priesthood. He wants you to be a part of all of these things. He wants 
wants you who have not been a people to be a people. He wants you who have not obtained mercy to obtain mercy. The veil is rent. Mercy's out running free. The mercy of God is reaching to you. The grace of God that bringeth salvation is appeared to all men and is teaching us some things here. Amen. Come on. Amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 24 reads on this wise. Then cometh the end. Oh yeah, it's going to come. Then cometh the end. This is the Apostle Paul inspired to preach to us the word of God. Okay? Then cometh the end. You want to keep that in mind. Okay? Because there is an end to this thing. And it says when he shall have delivered up the kingdom. Oh, friends, you want to get your mind on the Word of God. There's going to be an end. You want the end to actually be the beginning for you, the beginning of life eternal, that when the book teaches that, that last trump shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain active, involved, the church working and reaching the, reaping the harvest right up to, the, to that moment to that twinkling of an eye when the church will be caught away. How beautiful that's going to be for some. Yes, for some whose end is right, who've kept their faith to the end, who have kept it in focus that the end will come at this world and this life is going to pass away. But for us, it's going to only signal a beautiful new beginning. It's going to signal to us, as John said, a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Let your end signal a beautiful beginning, an eternal beginning, a world without end, a world that the writer said there would be no more sin, there would be no more darkness, there's not going to be uh, any anything that's negative that comes from the enemy, not even going to be a devil anymore. And he's going to cause the former things to pass away. He's going to bring you into the present tense, which is the future. The future will become our very present. We're going to step out of that realm uh, that we know in this dimension here where there's trouble and there's difficulties and there's tribulation. All of these different things that are going on, we're going to see an end to those things and we're going to see a beautiful, bright beginning of what God has intended. It can look like bad. It can look like the end and you can get down about it. You can get preoccupied with it and you can miss what all God is doing. Don't miss for whether it's somebody's uh, ridiculous recreation ideas and their, their inventions of this life or because of some form of depression and sadness and sickness. Do not let that occupy your mind. Do not let that overtake you. But you lift up your head. Lift up your heart. Lift up your mind and say, Lord God, I'm looking to you and I want to have this truth. I want to have this light. I want to come out of darkness. Amen. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Second Corinthians, chapter 11. I'd like to read this in your hearing. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Second Corinthians, chapter 11, and verse 15. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, talking about Satan. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. Now, there's going to be angels, fallen angels, when 
when the war broke out in heaven, and it, it always is going to break out over truth. It's always going to break out over what's right. See, ever since Satan rose up against God and Michael and his angels uh, versus Satan and his angels, then and they were thrust out, thrown out. Jesus said, I watched him fall like lightning to the earth. Well, then you want to understand, he came to earth all right, and he came here to cause havoc. He came here to turn everything upside down. He, call, he wants everybody to be doomed with him for all of eternity. He wants their end to be the end all right. He wants it to be a miserable ending. And he absolutely has it all in his mind uh, fixed up that I'm going to get as much of this as I can get. I'm going to fight God to the end. I'm going to thwart God. If I can't have it my way, then I want everybody to be miserable. Well, you've heard misery loves company. I will guarantee you it doesn't say it that way in the Bible, but it certainly teaches it. Satan is never going to be satisfied. Hell in the grave, never going to be satisfied. He wants just as many as he can get to join him. And so he masquerades is what the writer's teaching here. He knows how to turn himself into an angel or a messenger of light. He will try to convince you that he's telling you the truth and come with me and go this way. And that's what he said and did in heaven. And when they did follow him, Foolish that they were because when he was thrust out, they were thrust out with him. They should not have followed him. They should have just stayed with God. They should have stayed with the truth. They should have declared we want the truth and we're not going to follow anybody that's going away from and against God. But they did. And that's why they fell along with him. Thrust out, thrown out, and doomed along with him. But they're all spoil sports. And they're going to try to present themselves in a light. They're going to try to put themselves under deception and undercover and make everybody think that they're the good guy when they're not the good guy. And they're absolutely trying to drag everybody down. And But it said, whose end? Whose end is to be burned? Oh, that's not the end that I want. I want the end that I'm going to be with Jesus. I want the end that I'm going to be in that place where there is no hell, fire, and brimstone. I want to be in that place where I don't even need the sun or the moon because he is the light thereof. I want to be where there's no sickness, no pain, no sorrow, no suffering. I want to be where there's truth. All of eternity. <clears throat> so we want a better end. We want an end that signals a beginning. A beautiful, beautiful beginning. Everybody said praise the Lord. Well, Hebrews 13 and verse 7 will give us a little insight to how to have that happen. He tells you, he starts off with a good word. He says, remember. This is Hebrews 13 and 7. Remember them which have the rule over you. Get yourself in subjection, be in obedience to the man of God and to the word of God, to the spirit of God. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, follow that kind of faith. They stay with the book. They stay with God. They don't rise up. They don't uh, become rebellious, okay? And he said, considering the end of their faith or their lifestyle, the kind of life that they're living. The Apostle Paul made reference to that and said that people had known and seen how he was. They learned of him and what he taught. And so you get, a, you get an insight here. You begin to realize that you're staying with truth. You're doing what's right and you're not going to forsake the right way. You've read in the Bible there are folks that have done that. They, they had this, but 
they didn't stay with it. They dropped out of the race. They didn't stay with the race. They didn't run the race. They didn't keep themselves under subjection, as the Apostle Paul said to do. And in so doing, they, did, they quit the training, and, in, and they got out of shape, and they, they fell out of the race, and, and, and their end is going to be to be burned. Their end is not going to signal a good beginning, a new beginning. It's going to signal a terrible end to it all for them. And so, but he's telling you something here. He said, you need to remember some things. You need to key on those things. And he said, and you need to consider, give some thought to the end of people who have done it right. People who have, you follow their faith and you consider the end of their conversation, their lifestyle, the way they lived. It came to a proper conclusion and it's going to come to a proper conclusion in all of eternity. This word end does not have to be a depressing thing. This word end can signal a beautiful new beginning, and that's what you want to aim for. That's what you want to shoot for. There's going to be those that are going to descend in the wrong direction at the end of their life, but there's going to be others that are going to go up in the first resurrection. They're going to go in the right direction. They're going to be with the right one, and everybody said amen. Amen. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Uh, Philippians, we'll go back just a tad here. And uh, Philippians chapter 3, and listen to verse 19. Everybody said, hallelujah. I'm glad to be in God's house. I want to be a part of what God is doing. Philippians 3.19 reads on this wise. And I probably should back up a little bit. He said, nevertheless, we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, the apostle said, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction whose God is their belly. They, they live carnal. They're, it's all for themselves. They're not thinking to the end of this thing that it will come. And the only thing that's going to be at their end, the book is saying, is destruction. Okay? And he said, uh, uh, whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. Those people are only going, and, and somehow they have difficulty envisioning it's like the fellow that uh, just lived for himself, just what it said here, whose God is his belly, and, and lived and heaped up everything. Jesus is going around teaching in the days of his earthly ministry and telling them that uh, a man's life does not consist in the, of the abundance of the things which he possesses. Yet you had people that that's all they did, and Jesus told, uh, gave an account of an individual that said uh, he kicked back and he looked at his barn and he said, my barn is full. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to tear that down and build a bigger barn so I can get more stuff in there and have more things. But then that voice came from heaven, demanded by the watchers and those that are above, and said, Thou fool, this night thy soul is required of thee. Then whose are all these things going to belong to? Not going to matter to you because it will be over for you as far as this life and this dimension. But it's going to be a terrible end. Look, he said, whose end is to be burned. He said, whose end is destruction. These are not the kind of words you want to hear. This is not what, when you're going to take your last breath or 
maybe go out in an accident and you're totally unprepared for it. You don't want this to be the kind of thing that's, that's just waiting for you and the enemy is going to take you to the wrong place. Look, the Bible teaches that there was a man and he, he, was, he represented the church and to the carnal mind, to minds like that who live for this and mind earthly things, he didn't look too good. He didn't look good to them at all. He just looked like, you know, it was, oh, I don't want to be like that. And yet he fared sumptuously, the Bible said. He had the finest of clothes. He had gotten everything he wanted in life and brought it to himself and heaped it up to himself. But the Bible teaches that both died. They both died. It was time to die, and they did. But the Bible said that the angels came and got the one that he looked down on and didn't think he was much of nothing. You know, there are people that look down on church. There are people that go to church. There are people that look down and criticize the people who have a holiness in their life, a separation from the world, that they've been cleaned up, that Jesus first cleans up the inside of the vessel. We are the vessel. And that he cleans up our mind where all the issues of life come from. He cleans it all up. He gets all the mud out and the filth out and the garbage out when he fills us with the gift of the Holy Ghost after we've repented and been baptized in Jesus' name. He cleans us up real good. And that's what your first to do. That's where the priority is. And when you get that going in the right direction, then we can begin to see the outward change. And there are people that look down on the outward change. There are people that absolutely begin to feel like uh, that's not a way to be. That's not a way to live. That's I don't want to be like that. And I don't want to be a, carry a Bible. And I don't want to go to church. And, and they go on in their life, but then the time will come and when they came for this individual that represented the church, the Bible said the angels came and caught him away. Took him up, my friend. The good angels, God's angels, Michael's angels. Oh, yes, that's what you want. But the Bible teaches this other guy who had everything in life. Oh, well, you know, he, he died. And the next thing he did that you read is that he lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment. Now, you've got a person who who thinks about and lives for earthly things. Everything here, an earth that's going to pass away, an earth that's not even going to be here after a while. And uh, you've got somebody thinking like that, and you've got people in religious groups that think like that, and they'll tell you that there is no hell. They'll tell you that when you die, it's all over. They'll tell you all kinds of things like that. But that's not what your Bible will tell you. Your Bible tells you this fellow lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment, okay, being in torment. Now you've got people that will tell you, well, that's just a parable. Well, let me tell you something. An English literature definition of parable does not fit a Bible definition of parable. When Jesus Christ, who was not, I had somebody call me, and they said there's, um, they said there's, there's, three, there's three sides. I said, you know, there's two sides to everything. And I said, there's your side, and then there's my side. And, they, and the person said, no, there's three sides. There's your side, my side, and then there's the truth. And I said, yes, but let me tell you something. I said, um, God allowed me to repent of my sins, and I got baptized in Jesus' name, and God gave me the Holy Ghost. I said, so I don't lie. I said, all that lying stuff went out of my life. I said, so what you're going to hear, what I'm going to tell you is going to be the truth. And, and you, wanna, you, you are on the side of truth, and truth is on your side if you're with God because God is truth. 
okay? And when he, when he makes that change, when he cleans you up on the inside, then your lifestyle, your conversation begins to prove that out. There's things you will not say. I, I know a, a lawyer, and he's a wonderful man, and he's trying hard. He tells me all the time, I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to clean up this and clean up that. And, uh, he, and so he, he tries to be extremely careful about how he speaks when he has conversation with me. And um, I always, I don't say he has to do anything. It's just the way he feels. Well, I'm trying to tell you, you get a change in your life for the good, and people will become aware of that. And they won't talk to you too long, but what they're going to realize, like one guy, I had to ride an hour in the car with him a long years ago, and he got to the end, and he dropped me off here at the church, and he said, my goodness. He said a whole hour and not one bad word. I guess that was a new record for him. But, uh, you know, I had the Holy Ghost, and I still have the Holy Ghost. And I'm still not, by the grace of God, going to allow any filthy communication to come out of my mouth. I don't want my heart filled with filthy things. I, I want to I be doing what God wants. I don't want to mind earthly things. You know, I've seen people that were taught right and know right, and they, can, they stopped following. They forsook following the right example. They, they stopped following that faith, and, and they developed a potty mouth. They got, they let down, and they so-called loosened up until all these bad words are coming out of their mouth. And, and, and just five minutes of talk, and you've heard every kind of filthy thing, and you don't want to hear that. And all those filthy things can represent further filthy things. People think just because they use a byword or a word that is one time removed from the base bad word that it's okay. It's not okay. You want your yea to be yea and your nay to be nay. You want to speak correctly. You want, you're going to have enough God in your life that you don't have to resort to baser things in life, to beggarly elements of this world, to get your point across. You ought to be able to represent Jesus Christ as he is. And Jesus Christ didn't have a potty mouth. You hear me? Jesus Christ was filled with the spirit and the power of the almighty God in him dwelled the fullness of the very God bodily. You let him work in your life. That fellow lifted up his eyes in hell being in torment. Then it became, it became bad timing in his life because he, he suddenly waking up, opened his eyes in hell, and he started praying. Well, he should have been praying before he got there. That would have been a better time to pray. Would have, would have been better timing. He, he got things out of order, something that, like the foolish, he put it off and he put it off and he put it off until it got put off and it was too late. And now we're in the place we can't get out of. Now we're in the place of torment, but we want to pray. We want to express a burden here. And, and we want to, he begins to ask for, for the Holy Ghost. He begins to ask for that living water, just a drop of it. There is more power in one drop of the Holy Ghost than in all the religious world put together. You hear me? The religious world goes on its own steam. The religious world and its denominations goes on the worldly things, the earthly things that they mind. They have natural things. They don't have for you the spiritual things. They are against the power of God. They tell you the power of God ceased a long time ago. Well, then I can't understand why they're bothering with the Bible. I can't understand why they want to profess anything that would have to do with something eternal when they don't believe in it. You want to believe in the power of the living God. He still opens blind eyes. He still unstops the deaf ears. He still hears 
heals the cancerous and the leprosy. He can take care of anything. He can do anything. There's nothing impossible with God. Do you hear me? All things are possible with him with whom we have to do with. And you want preaching that builds your faith. You want preaching. You want the word of God that gets you your mind off of earthly things. And you begin to get your mind on heavenly things. Heavenly things. Godly things. Because you want your end, and the end will come. You want your end to signal the beginning of good things, good things, eternal things, good eternal things. That's what you want. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. Well, I'm going to go further into the book. I'm going to go to Peter again, his writings, his teachings. And uh, I want you to believe and I want you to remember what I read you in the beginning. He said, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Okay? These are, these are instructions to us. Don't stop running the race. Don't give up. Don't let down. Don't loosen up. You get in there and you do things right for God. What do those choir directors like to say when they did their choir song that it was tight? Well, how come then people want to tell other people to loosen up? What do we want to loosen up our lives for? What do we want to loosen up our consecration for? That's what cost Samson, didn't it? He, he, got that, he got that consecration in his life cut off, and he lost his connection with God, his vow and his consecration and his lifestyle that was to be of godliness. And in so doing, it cost him, friend. It cost him his vision. It cost him what was supposed to be right in that one time he knew was right. And now he's not doing it. Now he's just going around in circles and making sport for, a, for a, an unbelieving world. I want you to understand something. You can understand that, the, that there's an end to things. And I'm running a race. And there'll come an end to my race. And at the end of my race, I want things to be right. I don't want it to be burning and destruction. I don't want it to be hell and torment. I don't want it to be regret and me trying to ask God to send somebody back and, and talk to my, my kinfolk. It's too late for that. You had that opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity. Don't blow your opportunity. Take your time now. Get your chance now. Make the most of it now. What is so difficult about you repenting of your sins? What is so difficult about you being baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, just like Jesus in the days of his flesh was? What's so difficult about you receiving the free gift of the Holy Ghost, just like was signified over the body of Jesus Christ when he came up out of the waters. Come on now. You get yourself in a frame of mind and a thinking here and tell yourself there will be an end. And I want my end to signal a good beginning. Everybody said praise the Lord. You know the Bible said in 1 Peter 4, 17, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of the Lord. Number one, judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Whatever you did wrong, whatever you said wrong, Paul called himself the chiefest of sinners. So he's at the top of the heap here. So you're under that somewhere. So whatever you did wrong, whatever you said wrong, however you acted, things that are in your past, then the Bible is telling you judgment begins at the house of the Lord. This can be your new beginning, and that's what it's designed to be for you to realize that he's saying 
in, in the aftermath of things gone wrong, Adam and Eve, out, got a, got a tree here got a, that you can't go to anymore. We've got a, an angel with a flaming sword that's turning every which way to protect it. You're not going to have that. Okay, it could have been the end of all things, but it wasn't because the Lord gave a promise. The Lord gave a promise. He said there's going to be a struggle between good and evil. There's going to be Satan against the church, but I'm giving you a promise here, and I'm telling you, yeah, he's going he's gonna to bruise the church, but he's going to get his head crushed real good. You're going to be, the church is going to be victorious. Don't do things along the way of life and leave it that way. Don't leave things in a mess. Don't leave things where you've said it wrong, thought it wrong, done it wrong, acted wrong, bad temper and all of that stuff. Don't do that when you can have judgment begin at the house of the Lord. You can come to the knowledge of the truth. You can be led out of darkness into marvelous light. You can come from being nobody and no one and nowhere to being the people of God, a part of the church, the people of God. You can come from a background that you feel like there was no mercy, but God is saying, I'm here to give you mercy. Come on now. I'm, you were godless, but I'm here to be your God. Come on. I want you to be a part of this thing. I want you to be a part. Judgment must. Judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. And here it is for you to begin. You have a chance here. For the time, he said, is coming. Don't miss your time. Don't miss your opportunity. For the time has come for this to start. Everybody said, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. I want to read uh, Revelation. Well, let's go to 2 Peter 2 and 20 first. 2 Peter 2 and 20. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Praise he said, for after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he said, they are again entangled therein and overcome. He said, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. The latter end, latter end, latter end. Don't let your latter end become worse than it was when you first came around the church. In other words, if you come to this and judgment begins at the house of the Lord, you come to this and you don't continue in this and make the right steps, then he's, he's trying to tell you that you're going to wind up in a worse shape, in a much worse shape. This is designed for things to get better in your life. And everybody said amen. This is designed to pick you up when you're down. This is designed to give you encouragement when you're discouraged. The Lord is not against you. The Lord is for you. And everybody can now stand with me. God love your heart. I'm glad you're here this morning. And I praise my God. And I want you to focus on the facts that you don't, when you start coming here and you start attending Sunday school, shall we say, and you begin to hear the word of the Lord, you don't have to go back out those doors and get entangled again in the things of this life. I know that this is primarily this verse written to the church, but there are, there, there's characteristics here. There's descriptions here. There's things you can learn from this, whomever you are. And you can, we can apply it to you as a brand new person coming to God. You've come into a, a sanctified atmosphere, a place that's cleaned up, and you can become a part of that. You can be set aside to become holy unto the Lord. And everybody said, Amen. Sure you can. Give God a big hand.
than before. I want to sing a little louder than before. I want to jump a little higher than before. Oh. 